You just took your coach and absolutely knifed him in the back and made him have to take shit from Arthur Smith. That's your problem. That's your problem. That's your mess. You started a fire that somebody else had to put out. And I think that's one of the most egregious things I've seen in a long time. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Chasing It on the 33rd team. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel. The regular season is put to bed, and the last game of the regular season, the Sunday night game between the Dolphins and the Bills, set the schedule for the AFC. And I got to say, Chase, we got everything we could have possibly wanted in that game. Oh, I mean, the biggest takeaway for me is it was the Josh Allen experience, the roller coaster, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. And at the end of the day, the Bills made enough plays to win against a banged-up Miami team, which is yet to win against a good team this year. But the story is just Buffalo, right? Like, and, and this is how it's been the entire year with Josh Allen. He led the NFL in touchdowns. He has the second-most turnovers in the entire league behind Sam Howell. And he has three horrible, not, not bad, Horrible turnovers in the red zone that could have led to points. They were one for five in the red zone. Just not a good look at all for them. But, Trey, what do we always talk about? Special teams is the difference. When they needed it the most, they got a special teams punt return for a touchdown. And, look, we've run a lot of numbers at other teams I've been on. The Saints, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Bears. When you get a special teams touchdown of any kind, your percentage of winning is, like, above 85%. So that special teams was special indeed last night, and they did just enough to win. And it's crazy because going into the day, right, they could have been completely out of the playoffs. Mike Mike Vrabel, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill took care of the Jacksonville Jaguars, so they were in. They could have been the six, the seven, or the two. Now they're the two. They were six in six in December, and they won their final five. And they got some momentum going into the playoffs, honestly. And, uh, I mean, if, if the one seed loses, like, the playoffs could go through Buffalo. Like, it's just – it's a wild turnaround. And it all started with the firing of an offensive coordinator. Yeah. I, you know, so often you say, oh, that's a panic move. But it absolutely did change things for the Buffalo Bills. But all of that being said, as you said, they're the two seed now. Uh, they'll welcome in Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, Miami goes to Kansas City. And then Cleveland will take on the Houston Texans. And we'll get to the Texans in a minute. But what is your level of concern for Buffalo? Because there's two ways to look at this going into the postseason, right? They've won five in a row. They have all this momentum. You mentioned it. Three horrible uh, red zone turnovers and a horrible decision to throw it on the field with no timeouts left at the end of the half that cost them three points. So yeah. what, while, we're, while we're praising Buffalo for all of this, I understand that. If you're a Bills fan, you still have to be really nervous. Now, maybe not against Pittsburgh, which I understand because yep. I, you know, we don't know what the situation is with T.J. Watt. But going in, it's it's not like, all right, they were firing on all cylinders here against, by the way, a Dolphins team that had didn't have their top two pass rushers and their secondary was absolutely banged up with injuries. So it's not like they were facing this juggernaut defense, and yet no. they still didn't really manage to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think the level of concern is is too much. Like, at the end of the day, they're the two seed. However, my biggest thing, and I've said this all year, we've said this both, you have to have a chat with Josh Allen and just be like, hey, let's just 
focus in, put the horse blinders on one game at a time. Whatever you did in the regular season, it's over. Let's start our own path. Let's do our own path. And luckily, what I like about Buffalo, their defense is playing really well right now. So continue to run the ball with James Cook. He's having a hell of a year. Josh Allen, just make enough plays. You can do hero ball in the fourth quarter if we're down and stuff. But just continue to use your legs. Because I thought through through the most part, when he uses his legs, Trey, he gets a little bit uh, like he just gets more of a rhythm. Like he needs that first hit. He ran for, I think, 69 yards last night or 59 yards, one of those. So that's a weapon in its own self. So just run the ball, Buffalo control the clock. Josh Allen, you're going to make your splash plays, okay? Just don't make the negative plays, okay? Every game, and we talk about this, and I know because I've been in the playoffs a lot in my career and watching on the side, every game in the playoffs, it's about one thing. It's about matchups. How well do you match up with your opponent? Nothing else matters. It's a one-game season. Everything you possibly have goes into this game against Pittsburgh. I don't care about anything else. Just continue to do the baby steps. Everyone's 0-0, zero and 0-0, zero, oh and oh, whatever you want to call it, and just move forward. Like, Just take care of the football in the playoffs. Your defense is playing well. You're going to win some games. All right, so that's the situation for Buffalo. Now we have to go to the NFC East, and for the 19th straight season, a different team won it. You know, it's, it's the longest oh division God. streak. It's insane that nobody repeats 19. in that division since the Eagles did it four seasons in a row under Andy Reid. But the Cowboys took care of business, right? All they had to do was, was beat uh, the Commanders, and they would be the two-seed. And they beat them resoundingly 38-10. to 10. Philadelphia is a nightmare. Like, they have lost five of their last six games. I mean, they lost to the Giants. They lost to the Cardinals. I mean, they lost. Not only did they lose, they lost to teams they should easily have beaten. They could have lost both games to the Giants. They got a little bailed out in that in that one game a couple of weeks ago. Where is your level of concern over a team that was ten and one and now is just stumbling into the postseason? Yeah, I mean the highest level of concern, DefCon five or one, whatever is the highest. Like like yeah. sound the alarm. One because, DefCon one. Yeah, DefCon one. Like it is. Uh, I mean, they were like you said, they were ten and one in December. Trey, how do you even remotely? You're, you're limping into the playoffs, like literally. Like you saw Jalen Hurts' finger bend back in a way it should not bend. AJ like, Brown. Brown with his knee, Devonta Smith, all these guys. They're man, they're banged up. And look, I've always been on teams that have gone multiple rounds into the playoffs that have gone into to the playoffs with wins, man. You're going in with momentum. You're going in with confidence. You're in, this is the complete opposite. So, look, I, I'm just like – I'm a little concerned with um, really the play of Jalen Hurts. Like, that's the yeah. biggest – he just has not looked healthy at all. Maybe – like, I, I work with David Carr in NFL Network, and he got roasted on national television for saying that, hey, the Eagles should bench Jalen Hurts just for now to get him healthy, let Marcus Mariota go in, play a little bit, see what happens. And, man, looking back at that since that point, they've lost five of six. And Jalen Hurts has played so poorly. And, look, it's that defense at the end of the day as well. Like, like they went from Sean Desai to Patricia – it's just every Dom DeSandro is finally going to be let back onto the onto the field for play. That'll fix it. That'll, That'll fix it. That'll fix it, right? That's what Philly fans are thinking. I've seen multiple articles today. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine Trey? Like, 
fresh off of a Super Bowl appearance, if they go down to Tampa and get their butts whooped, is it a full clean house for Howie yeah. Roseman? Because you, you better be damn sure you know for a fact that Howie Roseman is probably looking at all these candidates of coaching and stuff. Like, I'm not, it's just, it's been that bad for Philly right now. Well, look, I mean, they brought in everybody to, I mean, Howie was aggressive, whether it was Julio Jones or the, the safety from Tennessee. Like, they, they went in on everybody, right? They tried to get all these names, all these kind of guys. And you're right, that defense, which supposedly has the greatest defensive line and all these young kids out of Georgia, uh, they couldn't stop anybody. Uh, I would not surprise. Look, I'm not. I'm not advocating for Nick Sirianni to be fired, but it wouldn't surprise me if it happens if they do flame out. And quite frankly, Tampa Bay. I mean, I'm not saying they're steamrolling in, but you know, there's a little bit of something there with the Bucks right yeah. now. I agree. I agree. I, I love the fact that um, what, what their offensive coordinator has done with Baker Mayfield. Like to me, yeah. uh, it's Dave Canales, right? Like I, I, yeah. I think that what Dave Canales has done with Baker Mayfield has been nothing short of a miracle. And he did it last year with Geno as well. So yeah. like his name, in my opinion, deserves to be talked about in head coaching circles. He's 42, he's young, he's energetic. But like they finally figured out, and they really, Dave Canales, figured out what Baker's good at. Hey, use Mike Evans, who's had so many thousand yards receiving seasons in a row. We've talked about it multiple times here. We love Mike Evans. And, like, get them under center, run the football, play action, play good enough defense to win. And they got a home playoff game. Like, they won the NFC South. We said we weren't going to talk about the NFC South till they finally they had have a winning record. They, they have a winning, have a winning record. record. So we're there talking about them. And, and look, at, at the end of the day, too, like, this is great. And this season has been a success for Tampa, even if they don't beat Philly. Like, it's been a success. Like, Baker's going to get paid. And yeah. it's going to be there in Tampa. He's going to get paid. He bet on himself. We've talked about it multiple times. This was his fourth shot. A lot of first-round picks don't get four shots. He made the most of it. Just such a good story down there in Tampa for me. Yeah, and, and we mentioned the injuries in Philadelphia. And unfortunately, we saw a ton of them on this final weekend of the regular season. The Lions obviously were playing to potentially get the two seed because if they had won and Dallas had lost, uh, then they would be the two. They lose Sam Laporta. With a hyperextended knee, he's going to miss some time, which means he's not going to be on the field, I don't believe, for this game. We don't know what T.J. Watt's status is uh, after that uh, MCL issue and that just unbelievable rain fest in Baltimore. Uh, so, so like, you, you hate to see it, and, and you hate to see these kind of impact players in the final game of the regular season uh, have these injuries because it is absolutely going to have a massive effect on how these teams perform in the postseason. Well, and that's the thing. Like, even – and I'm – like the Dallas Cowboys beat the crap out of the commanders, but, but I tweeted it out yesterday, like 10 minutes left in the game, you're up 25 and you got Dak Prescott playing. He's your only what are chance. You doing? Like, what, are, what you are, doing? are you doing? Get him out of the game. Like Sam Laporta has probably one of the best rookie tight end seasons of all time. Like let that sink into you. And yep. now he won't be there. TJ Watt was one of the main reasons should probably going to end up defensive player of the year was one of the main reasons that, the Steelers are able to sneak into the playoffs and be the seven seed. So all these injuries, they're not just like small name guys, dude. They're big name players and they're going to miss some big time matchups. Like, like, like it's just, it's tough to watch. And, and I get that Detroit was trying to get to the two seed, although it was very unlikely 
So right. like, why are you playing these? You saw the Ravens rest guys, or sorry, not the yeah, the Ravens rest guys, the 49ers rest guys, Cleveland didn't play Joe. Like all these guys, their their seed was in in intact, but it just sucks, man, because there's a lot of impact players more so than those two that are going to be missing some time in the wild card weekend. Well, and, and I want to get to something else here, which is sort of off topic because it's about two teams that didn't make the postseason. But I think it was one of the more interesting things we saw on the final Sunday of the regular season. And that was the end of the game between the Falcons and the Saints. And for those people that aren't huge Falcons or Saints fans, uh, this is a really intense rivalry. Okay, These are two of the, you know, the bigger cities, yeah. in the southeastern portion of of the country, the the rivalry between the Saints and the Falcons is a, is a real thing. There's a lot of sauce to that rivalry, no doubt. And then with four, with the Saints cruising forty-one to seventeen, uh, they line up in victory formation on the one-yard line, and then Jameis Winston decides out of victory formation to run a play uh, to the running back they got uh, from uh, Detroit last season who had seventeen Jamal touchdowns, Jamal Williams. Uh, just to get him his first touchdown of the year because he hadn't had one. And Arthur Smith lost his shit on Dennis Allen at, at midfield. And I, if I'm Arthur Smith, I probably would have lost my shit too. There's a million other reasons to not uh, be a fan of Arthur Smith for the way yeah. things played out this year. But I, I think he was totally right. And Dennis Allen just had to take it because, according to Arthur, he thought that Dennis Allen had called that play. And as it turns out, the call went in as victory. And Jameis in the postgame locker room said, well, you know, he hadn't had a touchdown all year. It was a team decision. We wanted to get him a touchdown. I think that's the biggest load of horse shit I've ever heard in my life. Okay? Because basically, you're, if you want to do that, then you line up in a frickin' formation. And then you run a goddamn play. And then you yeah. do it that way. But for you guys to line up in victory, which is would have been the classy thing to do, it's 41 to frickin' 17. And you decide to do that. He says it's a team. To, that's bullshit, man. You just took your coach and absolutely knifed him in the back and made him have to take shit from Arthur Smith. That's your problem. That's your problem. That's your mess. You started a fire that somebody else had to put out. And I think that's one of the most egregious things I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Jameis, man, he's just he's eating that, he's eating that dub, man. That's what he was doing. That's what he's doing. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, on that, I mean, it was a very fire response from you. And I sort of feel the same way because, like, there's got to be a level of respect, not only for the other team. Obviously, you're in victory formation. They don't think you're going to try to punch it in for a touchdown up 30 or whatever it was. But I think... 24. They're also... 24. I do think there has to be a level of respect for your own coach. And I think that's, that's what's that's my issue. Hand. Yeah, yes. that's my issue. And, and I think that's what's getting out of hand a little bit is these people, these these players, especially younger players, not feeling like they owe anything to their coaches. Like, we can just do what we want. Like, you saw Trevor Lawrence is the biggest. That was no way yesterday supposed to be a quarterback sneak on fourth yeah. and goal at the one. It was supposed yeah. to be an off-kelter, off-guard lead play. And I watched it multiple times. I'm like, what is he doing? And Doug didn't throw him under the bus, but there's – he called his own number. It didn't work. Yeah. Okay, Jameis, like, I just think it's so, like, I'm, maybe I'm old school, but I just think it's so disrespectful to your coach because not only do you put your coach in a bad situation in national television, like, it, it was the headline yesterday through yeah. the early games was, was Arthur Smith yapping at Dennis Allen, 
But like, you also probably put yourself in jeopardy of being back there when you show up a coach. Like he's well, a free agent. And so yeah. like, even if, and look, I've heard from literally everyone down there in New Orleans that they love Jameis. And I'm sure, I'm sure they do. But when you go too much, as much as like calling your own number, to me, that's, that's crossing the line. Well, it's not only calling your own number, but it's, it's, it's just absolutely flaunting everything that should happen in that situation. And look, I, I'll, I would even consider it if there was a contract bonus on the line, yeah. right? Incentive. Like, yeah. But, if, but if, there was a, if there was an incentive, I'm sure Dennis Allen might have called a play, right? But it wasn't. It was just to get him a touchdown. I mean, like, I get it. We all want to score. Nobody wants to play guard. I understand that, okay? But, but like, I, I, don't see, I don't see if Dennis Allen is back as the head coach in New Orleans, and he may or may not be, who knows, I don't see how Jameis Winston can come back. I don't see how those two can be together on the sidelines. I just thought it was, I thought it was chicken shit, and I thought it was the most disrespectful thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing, too. If, if Dennis Allen makes it through Black Monday, which, which all indications are that he probably will. Um, yeah. yeah, like, like Jameis had a good spot down there, in my opinion. Like, he fit, the, like, good team, but I just, I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see it working out for him back, back there. I mean, after this, because not only that, like you got to imagine if, if they end up bringing him back at a decent rate of a backup quarterback, say five or 6 million, what does that tell your guys? Yeah. You get rewarded for things that you shouldn't do. That doesn't make, yeah. that doesn't make sense to me. No, I, I agree with you hundred percent. So we, we, I just had to get that one out there because I just, I did just good chat me. It just yeah. chat me the wrong way. <laughs> And then, you know, his, his smile, like, well, it was a teen. No, it was bullshit is what it was. Yeah. It was bullshit. Yeah. Well, we're delighted to be joined now on Chasing It in the 33rd Team by another time semifinalist for the Hall of Fame, longtime defensive end, pass rusher extraordinaire, Jared Allen. Jared, thanks for being with us today, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, so this is the fourth time you've been a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. And uh, we were just saying before we went on, sometimes it's fourth time is the charm, right? That's that's the way it works. Sometimes. You know the old adage. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And now we're down to the finals, actually. I think it's uh, – so fourth time as a finalist. So, you know, we'll never – you never know. I'm, uh, I do that whole thing. I don't hold my breath because I, then I'd probably die. <laughs> <laughs> how much do you think about it, though? I mean, like, literally, how much – how much – you know, what, what, would it, what would it mean to you? Let's put it – what would it mean to you? Oh, what it would mean it would be phenomenal, it'd be insane, right? I mean, it's the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's, it, it's a it's a craft I dedicated 25 years of my life to. Uh, you know, I played since I was eight. I retired when I was what 32, 33. So, whatever that math adds up to, I know it's like 25 years. Um, but you know, so that would be it would be outstanding. It'd be great. It'd be like one of the greatest you know honors of my of my life. Um, but again, it doesn't. But do I think about it daily? No. Like when I got the text, uh, I got a text from someone was like, "Hey, you're finalist again." I was like, "Oh, cool." Coach Frazier had called me like, hey, I'm gonna be, I might be talking about you on Sunday. And we caught up and I was like, oh, cool. I didn't realize you're on NFL Network. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, I'm just kind of busy living, man. Um, so, again, it's, it's one of those things where I got zero control over. No one does. Um, right. And so it's, it's, it's always good to see your name there, right, no matter how many times it's there. At least it keeps coming back there. And uh, so it's just, it's just a reminder that, you know, I, I, I had a good career. I played, the, I played right. Um, you know, I, again, I'm one of those few guys though. I was never got cut. Um, every time I was traded was, was on my accord to a team I wanted to go to. And, um, and I got to play, you know, play my career my way. And, um, so there's no, I got no real regrets and nothing. So I'm just kind of living life and, uh, chasing kids around, youth sports, trying to curl, you know, just doing, 
doing life. Yeah, dude, that's what I was going to ask you because, like, hey, newly, newly retired life. I want to, I want to pick your brain on it and just see what you're, what you've been up to. Like, how do you keep busy? Because I have three kids myself. They're crazy. I'm making kids lunches. I'm taking them to school. It's like a whole another level. What have you been into uh, since you've been retired? Because I heard that, and I've seen that you have been into curling as one of your yeah. uh, like hobbies. Talk about that. Yeah, so I took a bet to try to make the Olympics, and I'm one of those dudes like I don't never welch on a bet, so I'm all in. Uh, trying to make that. We actually will be up in uh, we'll be up in New Jersey here at the end of the end of January for national. Our team qualify for national, so trying to win a national championship doing that. But I'm doing the exact same thing you're doing. I literally made peanut butter and jellies this morning. Uh, you know, <laughs> lunch, taking lunch this morning, dropping kids off at school. You know, my wife and I have a great tag team effort. Um, she'll be running. My my youngest hurt her wrist in a basketball game the other day, so you know, running to doctor's appointments, trying to exercise horses, uh, building picking up lumber to build a tree house. That's, that's, that's retired life. I tell everybody when and they're newly retired, I said, be careful because every day is Saturday. So, you know, so let's, let's get it. I want, let's get more into the curling thing. Okay. okay. Uh, you, I know you said you, you never watched it, but how did this begin? Take me through the process of how you went from Jared Allen, potential hall of famer to, yeah, I'm going to make the Olympics in curling. What started <laughs> is I, it was one of my birthdays. I was playing golf. I was a buddy of mine when I was playing still, and I just shot a miserable round of golf. Um, and I was like, you know what? Three years after I retire, I'll make a PGA Tour event, right? I'm like, I love golf. If I can golf every day, I'll be great. Yeah. Um, I was playing in the Tahoe tournament one year, and I came off like a freaking mid to high 80s round, and he was like, you have zero chance, and you got about yeah. a year. <laughs> so I was like, crap. So uh, – we were sitting, I just watched Eddie the Eagle. We were sitting at my house in Arizona. Oh, just yes. in Arizona. And I was, you know, giving him a hard time. He's like, you might as well pay now. I was like, well, first of all, you can't afford the bet. So why am I going to pay a bet you can't afford? And I got him just tipsy enough, you know, to where I was like, hey, or, or we could parlay this into me trying to make the Olympics. Um, and so I went through it. I thought badminton was going to be my first choice. I'm like, we're terrible at badminton. And then I realized, like, man, that's that's a lot of movement. I don't know if I'm going to be able to survive that. That's that's my back, my L five. <laughs> and then I was like, we're not very good at curling, so I put a team together. I was like, yeah, let's learn to curl. We can we can figure that out. And then, you know, no one knew I was doing it. Then all of a sudden, Schuster goes on this miracle run, wins gold. I look like a complete asshole trying to, uh, you know, tell it. Oh, I'm going to make the Olympics as a curler, and we just won gold. Yeah. But I was already too far down the rabbit hole, so that's where I'm at. Um, you know. And uh, now just chugging along. And so last last Nationals, I actually beat Schuster for the first time after getting my butt kicked by him for like three three years, four years. So uh, we got a pretty solid team. Hopefully we can win a national title, see what happens. We got about a year and a half before Olympic trials and uh, go from there. That's wild. So like you, you truly are like a man of many talents, like badminton, golf, curling. What about like you won Celeb Will of Fortune, bro? Like what? That's you know, wild. Like, People think D linemen are stupid. You know, you just got to let people know I'm, I'm, I'm a gamer. That's what I'm doing. I'm, how, I'm a gamer. How was that experience, man? That's wild. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. I grew up watching the wheel. Um, I mean, Vanna and Pat, I mean, the iconic, the iconic duo of our, uh, of our, of everybody's era to be, because they don't age. I don't understand what that's going on. <laughs> I look, I look like I'm a hundred and he looks like he's 40. So, um, no, it was, it was a blast. It was, it was, it was more nerve wracking than I thought. Right. Because there's so many, you're like, you're watching this board. You're on a time. You're trying to piece it together. You're trying not to look like an idiot. Um, and, and in terms, you kind of look like an idiot sometimes. Like I don't know how I didn't get the first puzzle. And then the last one, I use a little gamesmanship. 
because I thought I was like, I was running out of time, but I just, I didn't want to, you know, run out of time saying my answer and give it away. And then it never got back to me. But, um, but yeah, I was able to go in there, you know, take, take home, take home the, uh, the growth or the net, the, emo, the most money, however you want to put it. Um, <laughs> you won. Just put it that way. You won. Let's won. put it that way. You I won. won. All right. So, but but I want to, I want to go back to the curling again. Cause I, first of all, <laughs> Like, what's your skill set? What, what are you the sweeper? Are you the, are you the top? Like, what's your, what's your best part of curling? Everybody throws two stones, right? And then, you know, I, I'm, I'm the only person that doesn't sweep yeah. is the guy in the bullseye, you know, point calling the shots. He's the quarterback, basically. Quarterbacks don't do crap. Chase knows that. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> you guys are, you guys are on easy street over there. Um, so yeah, so I throw the first. I play lead for this team, so I throw the first two rocks and I sweep the next six for each end. There's eight ends, like innings, kind of in baseball. Um, so yeah, I mean naturally I'm big. Right. So I'm a pretty good sweeper, um, but I got finesse. I, I got I got I got skills. I, I got the all around game, um, and uh, you know mentally the only thing that stuff is it's, it's a very kind sport, and you have to be kind to everybody, win or lose, and that that kind of ekes me because a lot of times I want to break a broom, you know, or snap yeah. on something after they make a good shot but you're not allowed to do that so. <laughs> you know that's interesting when the super bowl was up in minneapolis uh we I, we did a curling thing and we went obviously it's it's huge in that part of the country and uh we were with this one wreck and said the good thing about curling win or lose we booze yeah yeah the, the, the winners <laughs> have to buy losers beer which is like the, the winners sweep the ice and they buy the losers beer and i'm just like i don't know where that what world this is in i that's not, you know, yeah. I need to be shamed. If I lose, I need to be shamed. I need to be yelled at. I need to be you know, told what I can do better. Not, yeah. Don't pat me on the back. need to be coached you know, up. Yeah. Everybody, everybody gets a beer. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's so funny. I appreciate you, Jordan, man. So let's talk, let's, let's jump into some football because I know, um, look, you're still really involved and obviously want to get your thoughts on a couple things for me. Just overall, because you were a game wrecker, like who's your favorite defensive guy to watch in today's game on the defensive line? Like I know you're probably still studying it, involved in it. Like give me your thoughts on some of your guys that you just like really enjoy watching. So, you know, that's – it's so – I mean, my, I'm a big fan of Miles Garrett, Daniel Hunter, um, you know, uh, TJ, TJ Watts a monster. Although if I see one more person miss – Miss games with a grade two MCL sprain. Like we used to put a neoprene knee wrap on that thing and go out there. Like, come on, it's a knee. It's, a, it's an MCL. Just go out. You can. You don't even have to get that surgically fixed. Um, so I, I would like to see him go out there because I mean I, I do. I think I think you know those three. Even even Parsons are good. It's a it's a different. It's a little bit of a different era. So I kind of I kind of tend to go towards more of those old school guys. Uh, I did some work with the Broncos and like guys like Nick Benito. Brian Browning, uh, you know, Donovan Cooper, stuff like some of these young guys have immense talent, right? Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not quite the same game. And so I, I kind of gravitate to more towards the Watts, uh, the, 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 you know, the guys that are four down players, right? The guys that are, are making plays, not just in the, in the pass rush game, but, you know, you're watching, you know, guys like Watt, Garrett, Hunter, you know, they're, they're, they're making play run in the run game, you know, pass deflections, you know, I know Watt plays that hybrid linebacker deal, so he's dropping out sometimes. Um, I jokingly say it's hard for me to root for guys that play on the left side because I feel like the real studs always play on the right side. You know, I'm, I'm biased. I get it. I'm biased. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I think those are probably my top guys. Just, again, they get their hands down, and, and I'll be honest, man, it, it's impressive to watch. It's, it's impressive to watch them bend. It's impressive to watch, you know, they're, 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 they're detailed. You can just tell they're detail work-oriented, and, 
you know, I happen to my, my old D line coach is up there in Pittsburgh as well, Carl Dunbar, and 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 he just talks about you know guys like Watt's work ethic, and you see the Daniel Hunter, and you obviously have connections with Minnesota, uh, what he can do, sure. and, and and Miles Garrett. I mean, Miles Garrett just is, is a freak, um, and, and is right. So yeah. you know, I really like watching those. But I mean, there dude, there's a plethora. You know, Bosa Bosa gets to the quarterback part. I, I like I think I like Michael Parsons. His attitude is relentless. I, I like the way that dude. That dude doesn't care where he lines up. He just wants to hit people and wreck shop. So, you know, he's up there as well. Um, and so I think, I think it's, it's fun. It's, it's kind of good, kind of good to see some old school, but with some new school mixed in and see where the game might be going. Um, and, 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 you know, for me, I just, I just love it to see, you know, a lot of teams want to rotate a ton and they want to bring in specialists. And it's always good to see the guys that are on the field third, you know, first through third down, fourth down at the top of those numbers lists. Right. Uh, so, right. Good to show that, that that rhythm is still there. Guys need to take reps. Guys need to play and have impacts on the game, not just in sacks, right? Because you're going to have an impact across the board. Yeah, pressures are just as important as sacks. It just gets the quarterback off his spot. You mentioned, obviously, Daniel Hunter, you have a connection with Minnesota. So anybody that has a connection with Minnesota, we have to ask, what should the Vikings do at quarterback next season with Kirk Cousins? Well, you already heard what I said. Um, you know, and again, it was nothing personal, but I just I just don't know – you know, it'd be one thing if we were if, if we were coming off an insanely good season, right? You're coming off this, you know, where, but I mean, right now, you know, the Packers, the Packers are looking, you know, like they're coming on strong with a young, with a young team. Uh, the Bears are managing to, to be 500 with, with, you know, you know, I don't want to say mediocre, but inaccurate play at that quarterback position. Um, I, I just don't know. We have so many moving parts. And again, I'm not the GM, but I, I don't, I don't know how you can sit there and pay a veteran quarterback. Hey, you know, uh, Jefferson, you know, you got Hunter, you got, you got a laundry list of guys that are going to have to get taken care of. Um, and, and I, so, you know, but yeah, you're in a conundrum where you, know, you got one of the best receivers in the league. Do you want to bring in a new quarterback? But I think there's some options out there to where I don't think you have to give the farm away for a 35 year old. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, even if Kirk comes back and plays absolutely lights out, he's only got three years left in him. Right, and unless you win a Super Bowl, then it's then it's all for not yeah. anyway. I mean, we've, we've won we've won titles, we've been to the playoffs, and we're and, and you know we went what thirteen and three, lost in the first round. So I, I just think it's that we're at that we're at that pivotal point to where you, you just you just got to find who's going to be the future and, and go all in on that and uh, and and go that route. So that's where I kind of would like to see like to see him you know go. I mean, you got you're losing Harrison Smith to safety at some point. Well, I don't know if you, what what his contract right. situation. But I think this is year eleven or twelve. So you got to think about, you know, how do you replace that that presence, which has been absolutely dominant. Like I said, if Daniel Hunter's not there, what I mean, that's a, that's a massive hole you're going to have to fix. Yeah. Um, and then and then if you if you waste if not waste it, but if you spend all your money at receiver and quarterback, you know who's protecting them? You know, you still yeah. got to you still got to bolster that offensive line. That's always been one of the biggest problems in Minnesota is we've never fully committed to the offensive line, and um, and so I'd like to see him kind of spread that around there. And go get one of these guys. I mean, you look at the kid in Cincinnati who played his ass off this year, right? I mean, you could probably go get him at a relatively cheap price and and get and go get a stud running back and run the ball 25, 30 times a game. And again, I, now I know I sound like one of those uh, retired players that thinks he uh <laughs> armchair quarterbacking it, but you know, yeah. as a fan, as someone who knows a little bit, I just think I just think money could be better spent around the around the board and we could prepare for the future because you know, Minnesota, we're we're in a tough division. And it's either, you know, you either got to, you got to win the division at some point. We've been to the AFC championship game in the last decade, a handful of times, you know, or two times, I should say. And, um, it might even, yeah, 
yeah, I guess oh nine wasn't it wasn't that long ago. But it was pretty far long ago. But uh, you know, they, I mean, they went one more. They, they go back. They went. They went, in, uh, they went. What was it? Four or sixteen or something like that, or seventeen. So I mean, they got they got to yep. they, they get there. They got to they got to get consistently back to the playoffs. Consistently going to the championship games, and that fan base is do a Super Bowl appearance. Well, yeah. I'd be remiss to ask you um, because I heard you say it early in the uh, in the answer about Kirk Cousins, the team um, you know down south in Chicago with the Bears. Like it's it's a really uh, like hot topic right now, and Trey and I have gone in depth on why we think the Chicago Bears should keep Justin Fields. What do you think the Bears should do in this draft? Drafting number one, do you think they should? end up picking a guy at one, whether rather a Caleb Williams or Drake Mayer, do you think they should ride out with Justin Fields? Has he shown enough to be the long-term answer in Chicago? Well, I think if you look at kind of the Bill Belichick model, right? I mean, yeah, I know he had a down year, but in, in historically, if you can trade that back, if you have if you have a quarterback that is that's capable, right? And Fields is shown to be capable. So if if I'm the if I'm you know Kevin Warren over there and, and the Bears and stuff like that, I'm looking at that, okay, does he fit the system in which we want to play? Right? Do we have the coaching staff to get him to the level he's capable of because he's showing signs of it? Right, and then again, what what is it? What does he look like if he has if he has the uh, parts around him to move? So, to be honest, I don't I don't know that you take a risk on on a Caleb on a, you know. There's I don't think there's a number one right now that's guaranteed to come in and and be the guy. Right? To be honest, I don't I don't I don't I mean with all the hype around Caleb Williams, but I mean look at what SC didn't have that great of a year. You know, and I know, and you could say, you know, yeah. even look at like Andrew Luck was the next John Elway, right? He came in, had he had he had, he had a couple good yeah. years. Uh, I think he got him to an AFC title game once. I'm not sure, but you know, never never won the Super Bowl. At the end of the game, winning Super Bowls is what it's all about. So I think if you trade those back, you stack picks. I mean, you're sitting at one and nine, and you could you could stack picks. Yeah. And I think I think there's enough quarterbacks in this draft that you could you could grab a solid backup just in case Fields doesn't work out. You can surround with with parts and and to be honest and then you you look at you look at a lot of teams that might be just a quarterback away just a just a high pick you know receiver specialist away uh that'll trade up and so you know i i would probably trade those picks back to be honest keep justin fields bolster that defense um and you know i mean let's be honest chicago is never going to be the, the place that you're going to throw the ball 50 times a game and be successful it's just it's historically it's not that type of play yeah, since Sid Luckman, that hasn't been the case uh, for Chicago. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, Jared, man, always good to catch up with you. We appreciate your time today. And again, I'm a big believer. Fourth time is the charm. Oh, well, I, I, I hope so. We'll see. And uh, if it is, you know, heck, we'll uh, we'll, we'll make it. We'll, we'll make it special. Of that I've, of that I'm not concerned at all because I remember how you said goodbye. All right, get out of here. We'll see you later. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, let's go through some rapid fires here. Uh, we got the playoff picture set. So the team with the best and worst shot of winning the Super Bowl, don't say both number one seeds. Give me something besides that. Oh, man. All right, so let's go, what, AFC first? Yeah. You want to do AFC? Okay, AFC first. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard not to say Baltimore, first of all. But since you had told me not to say the one seeds, I'm going to go um, out on a limb, and which is weird to say, but I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. The KC hey, Chiefs. Now. Really? Because, yes, because, you, okay, everyone knows their offense has struggled. They've barely <clears> been <throat> able to, they barely, yeah, yeah, just to put it lightly, um, they've barely been able to 
score 22 points a game this year. And, um, but, but Trey, you know, better than anyone you've covered this sport longer than probably I've been alive is when it comes playoff time, bro. Yeah. You want the most experienced team and you want the most experienced quarterback who have had multiple, they've been to the AFC championship game five years in a row. They've hosted it five years in a row. They've hosted it. All right. And so the experience factor on that side of the football, like you look at all the quarterbacks, CJ Stroud, not experienced Joe Flacco. Okay. Sure. Experience, but has been on the couch played really well. Uh, Tua, no experience. Josh Allen. Okay. The other, the only other one, right. And then Mason Rudolph. So like I'm taking the top quarterback on this. And quite honestly, other than the Ravens, the top defense, Cleveland's defense doesn't really travel really well. They got to go on the road to Houston. So I think KC is the second best defense behind the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC. So that to me is why I'm going KC. What about you? Well, listen, and just since you brought up KC, did you see the celebration uh, that all of Chris Jones's teammates had for him when he got his sack, which gave him a $1.2 million bonus. I mean, like that part I get like that to me, that's the team responding. Yes. What happened in new Orleans was the exact opposite. Yeah. It was just garbage. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I have, I, I can't, I kind of agree with you with Kansas city, but I, the receivers are going to have to make this thing called catches. And I, you know, like if Marquez, like Marquez Valdez Scantling was the reason they won the AFC championship game last year over the Cincinnati Bengals because Kadarius Tony got hurt, Juju Smith Schuster got hurt, Miko Hardman got hurt. So he had to throw to MVS and MVS responded. If MVS can play like that and Kadarius Tony doesn't Tony, then yes, I, I think they have a real opportunity. But I got 17 games of the other crap that are weighing me down. Like there's a part of me. That would I would really there's a part of me that would really like to see Buffalo find a way to get there and, I, and oh, people man. in Baltimore are probably losing their minds but we're trying not to go with the one seeds here I understand yeah. that I mean when Buffalo is playing well they're as good as anybody they're as good as anybody but the problem is can they get out of their own way so the, I I will go I'll go Buffalo uh, just because I'd like to see them have what what about on the NFC man th- th- this to me is such an interesting division uh, or, or conference when it comes to the playoffs because, like, let's just talk about the quarterbacks. Like, such a diverse yeah. group. Brock Purdy is the one seed. We're not talking about him. Okay. Baker Mayfield. Out. Jalen Hurts with a broken or weird finger, whatever. He, he's just Goff. beat up, man. He's beat up. He's beat up. Jared Goff. Okay. Revenge game. Matthew Stafford. Okay, I think he's only won one. I mean, we we got a. I think he's only won one playoff game in his entire career. Uh, Matthew Dak Stafford. Prescott, they, they won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Before before he went to L.A. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's, Let's okay. cut that out. Let's cut that out. <laughs> okay. Cut. All right. So Jared Goff, right? Then Matthew yeah. Stafford, who is playing some of his best balls, going back to Detroit. Dak Prescott, which to me. Looking like, other than Brock Purdy, the best guy in the NFC. And then Jordan Love, which who knows what to expect. So, look, I mean, to me, it's it's San Fran or bust all the way. I know we're not doing one seeds, but, like, I like Dallas. Dallas was able to get the two seed. They're only going to go out, have to go on the road on the NFC Championship game. If they can win a wild card in a divisional, it's that rematch where they got smacked. They got smacked by the 49ers. So, to me, I'm going to go Dallas. I, I'm with you. Like the, I, it was so critical for Dallas to get the two seed. They are 
a different team at home. 16 yep. straight wins at home. Wow. That's the second longest run. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. It's the second longest run in the uh, Cowboys franchise history behind 18 straight in the 70s and 80s. So if this team can play at home and the refs don't mess up a two-point conversion, they will be very difficult to beat uh, <laughs> in that situation. And, and who knows what's going to happen from Green Bay. But you mentioned the revenge game. So there's, there's a couple of them here which I think are really interesting, right? Because you have – you mentioned Stafford going back to Detroit uh, and you know coming in with Puka Nakua who set the rookie record that it held since the 60s for receiving yards, which is amazing. Wow. You also have Tyreek Hill – uh, going back to Kansas City now, uh, like, wh- which of those sort of revenge games or, or, or uh, reunion games are, are you more interested in? Oh, I mean, no doubt it's Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. Yeah. And then, like, 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 okay, this week is going to be talked about so much for the Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. That's going to be the headline. Let's yeah. not forget, okay, Sean McVay pretty much threw Jared Goff out the freaking door. Okay, yeah. that needs to be talked about more. He said, ah, you're not good enough, and he was so nice about it. He kicked him out the door. Brad Holmes, GM for the Detroit Lions, said, hey, come on over here and look what he's built. So there's a yeah. lot more to talk about in that game rather than um, you know the Rams going to Detroit, which I think the Rams, I think this is like upset alert for me. Like I think yeah. the Rams match up really well with Detroit. But without a especially doubt, without Matthew Laporta. Stafford, Jared Goff, especially without yeah. Laporta, yeah. the way they're running the football as of late, their defense is stepping up. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that game for sure is, is the number one revenge game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating thing. The, the, the Dolphins are so beat up, and they haven't proven – they've beaten the Dallas Cowboys uh, at home. That was the only team they beat with a winning record. So we'll see what happens there. And obviously we're in the middle of the coaching firing. As we speak right now, we know that Ron Rivera is out – uh, in, in Washington when we expect several others to fall. But obviously the biggest name is Bill Belichick. Yeah. And Bill Belichick started his press conference yesterday saying, I'm under contract. <laughs> okay, which is, you know, uh, well, I'm under contract. So, And he, he put it all on Robert Kraft. And if I was Bill Belichick, I'd do that too. But it has to happen, right? That, that, that was the last game of Bill Belichick's career in New England. Gosh, I, I mean, we've talked about it on multiple different episodes, how yeah. there's just no way to salvage it. He came out today and made me sort of second guess it because he said, hey, I'd be willing if, if the situation presents itself to give up the player personnel side. That to me was a really, really telling comment. I think they're still headed for divorce, but yeah. he gave a little bit of hope. Maybe, maybe it's his beautiful mind way of saying, hey, the only way I'm getting out of here is if you trade me for a first round pick or yeah. play in the leverage game. All that stuff plays into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest domino to fall hasn't fall, fallen yet. And so I, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. it gave me, it gave, the way we've talked about it on this show, Trey, and you, yeah. you too, we are like, oh, he's gone for sure. He made that press conference. I was like, Whoa, okay, give yeah. me a little bit of pause. I don't know. Like, I just, I, I just, unless, unless, and, and again, you're asking one of the total control freaks to cede a lot of control. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. Like, I mean, like Jimmy Garoppolo was traded because they basically forced his hand in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. They forced his hand to do that uh, at, at the trade deadline. So, so we'll, let's finish here. If Belichick is out in New England, what's the best place for him to go? And after that one, I have one more question for you. So if Belichick is gone to New England, first of all, he's going to get a bunch of opportunities. Where do you see the best fit for him? 
man, I don't know. Every, everything I'm hearing on the internet says Atlanta. And no quarterback, every, no quarterback, no quarterback. Like, honestly, like for me, it, I, I just don't know if they would mesh well, like go to the chargers, like turn the chargers around and, yeah. and get them going. It's just, I'm telling you for being in the, in the locker room, the last two years, I just don't know if that entire roster, forget about the core group of guys, the entire roster it's so much more laid back than any other team I've been on and not necessarily a bad laid back. Could you imagine Bill Belichick trying to bring the Patriot way to that? I can't, I can't imagine what that would look. Maybe that's what they need. Um, but yeah, I mean the chargers for sure. I think the chargers, but, the, but then like Trey, I'm sure you're going to like Jim Harbaugh, like to me is the, is the, is the kicker and all this, like he's going to get, he's going to get an right. NFL job. Right, but if if you decide, and he's going to have his pick. If you decide to choose Harbaugh over Bill Belichick, then you deserve whatever you get. Yeah, just plain yeah. and simple for me. Like I look, I, nothing against Jim, um, but you know he had a couple of really good years in San Francisco. I think he's a much better college coach than he is an NFL coach. Uh, you talked to a lot of players in San Francisco at, at at the end of that run. They were like, yeah, okay, it's wears yeah, whatever. On. Yeah, it wears right. on you. And now Bill does too. Let's be clear in a different way, but most of the play, most of the players that that played for Bill will tell you, God, he drove me crazy, but he got the best out of me. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, and and they sort of like Chad Brown was cut four times in one season by Bill Belichick, and he calls him his favorite coach ever. You know, wow. so I mean, like that 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 part of the process is respected. So, okay, I think I think L.A. and the Chargers also makes yeah. all the sense in the world, but who goes to New England? Now, what did they do? Because to me, there's one name that should be at the top of the list. Honestly, and that's I have Mike, no idea who. Mike, Mike Vrabel. Oh, man, could you? Mike, Mike Vrabel like should be the guy because now there's still a huge bunch of issues and they got to figure out the quarterback situation. But of all the coaching tree, like the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree is rich. You know what I mean? The, the Bill Walsh coaching tree is rich. Uh, there are so many coaching trees. The Bill Belichick coaching tree is not that rich. A lot of his guys have gone on to medium or little success in other places, except for Mike Vrabel. And Mike Vrabel didn't coach with Bill Belichick, but he learned how to coach while playing yeah. for Bill Belichick. And to me, Vrabes would be the guy to go back to Foxborough. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good that's a good um, yeah, that's a really good fit. The only thing that gives me a little, just a little pushback on that is. Remember when Jared Mayo was like the best up and coming D coordinator linebacker coach in the world, yeah. and they gave him a lot of money. And we have heard that they had promised him the job once Belichick left. Now that, that doesn't mean yeah. he's going to get the job. That's the only right. thing that maybe. But I think you would take Vrabel over Mayo, right? I mean, you have a track record. I mean, like yeah. But then again, like to be fair, you know, D'Amico Ryan's didn't have a track record, and look what he's done yeah. this year with the Houston Texans. So I don't know. It just seems Vrabel back there seems like a natural fit to me. Yeah. Who knows? And who knows if we'll see what happens. All I know is like it's, it's sad. Robert Kraft, you know, from that uh, that game in London where he just <laughs> oh, we lost again. He's got oh, he's got to figure man. out a way to get that turned around. All right, my man. Always good talking to you, and we'll do this again next week. Okay. 